Welcome to the Hidden Wise 30-minute power segment. I am passionate about creating a lifestyle that minimizes suffering and regret. The purpose of life is not simply to survive, but to thrive, and I believe we do that by creating a life with greater freedom, fulfillment, and happiness. Each week, I'll be delivering a 30-minute conversation with a guest expert on a topic that they are knowledgeable and passionate about, with the purpose to inspire and educate us all. I don't have all the answers. I'm simply trying to figure life out. And through greater awareness and understanding, I can put into practice what I learn to further my life's progression. I can't give you your life's map. I can't show you the way, but I can assist you in discovering your why. I can help you define your life's compass to guide you purposefully to act on and pursue your life's desires. And from there, watch happiness ensue. My guests are the experts. They are the people I learn from. They provide the inspiration, education, and methodology that we can all benefit from in better navigating the ultimate life. Without further ado, let the show begin. Hey guys, Lee Martinuzzi here. Welcome to another episode here on the Hidden White Podcast. This is episode 883. And my guest today is Chris Field, and we're discussing disruption. I love these conversations, man. 30 minutes or thereabouts, inspirational conversations, things that you can take away and absolutely feel good about. Chris, man, he has disrupted my world today with this conversation. Such an inspirational message behind here. And he's been challenging complacency and disrupting the status quo for most of his life. And that's what this conversation is all about, guys. You're gonna love it. He's done a lot of amazing things, including the Mercy Project. Check him out using the links in the show notes. And guys, enjoy this conversation. Cheers. G'day, Chris. Welcome to the Hidden Wire Podcast. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Mate, pleasure to have you here. Thanks for, for joining us today. And look forward to discussing the, the topic of today, which is disruption. Uh, but before we get into that, just tell us a little bit about yourself um, and the Mercy Project. It's quite um, spectacular and amazing um, what you guys are doing there. Yeah, thank you. So I'm based in Texas in the U.S. Hmm. and I'm a social entrepreneur. I uh, love, love starting new things, love creating things. I think right now I have seven or eight different ventures going on, but oh, the, wow. the, my real passion project that I've been doing now for almost 10 years is Mercy Project, as you mentioned, and essentially we're working in West Africa. Uh, we've gone into these fishing communities, which uh, Ghana has the world's largest man-made lake, and there's all these children who've been trafficked into human trafficking as young as five, six years old, working on the lake all day. Wow. And uh, we've gone into these communities, and we've taught them how to use aquaculture or cage fishing to replace the labor of the children. And that has allowed us to partner with the community and return uh, rescue and return more than 150 children back into their families. So we've essentially replaced the need for the child labor to where now these cages uh, can be much more effective at fishing than the children. And so the communities voluntarily release the kids to go back to their families. That's incredible, huh? And, yeah, it's and pretty how did it, how did all this start? I mean, you're a family man. You've got four kids, did you say? Yeah, that's right. So I read a book about child trafficking uh, in 2009, yeah. and I was just I was I was heartbroken to be honest. I mm. mean, it was compelling to we were actually pregnant with our first baby and to think about the life I wanted my daughter to have and the kind of 
human being I wanted her to be, full of kindness and compassion and goodness. And then to contrast that with this book I was reading, that these children were trafficked and had basically no future. It was just, it was, it was heartbreaking. And so I, I Googled the author's name. I called her. I was 27 years old at the time. Called her, asked her to go to Africa with her. Three months later, I got off the plane in Africa, went out on the lake, met the children, came home, started raising some money that I thought I would give to another organization. And then realized in there that no one was really solving the problem sustainably. You know, mm. it was a lot of a lot of really simplistic solutions. I like to say that the complexity of the solutions didn't match the complexity of the problem, uh, which I think is a problem across nonprofits and NGOs, but that's an aside. But so I was faced with a decision. Do I just say, well, I tried or do I kind of step out in faith and try to do something about it myself. And so I quit my job and we started Mercy Project September 1st, 2010. And, you know, thankfully now we're, we've had a lot of success, 18 staff, 15 of them Ghanaians and, um, you know, all the children we referenced before. So it's, it's been a really fun nine years, hard, busy, but fun nine years, very rewarding. Very rewarding, I imagine, yeah. And and what were you doing? Were you a social entrepreneur up to that point as well, or is this just something that's you've left an occupation to, to pursue? Yeah, so my training was actually in religion initially, and so I'd done a lot of work here in Texas uh, with people in poverty. Mm-hmm. And at the time that I started the Mercy Project, I was actually working at a church outside uh, Dallas, but I find that the intersection of business and good, that's really the place where I feel very at home. I actually teach a business class at one of the top business universities or business uh, schools in in Texas called Texas A&M University. And I actually teach a business class now. This is my 10th semester. and It's called uh, Using Business to Solve Social Problems. Yeah. Uh, so I really like helping these students think about how to use their degrees for something more than just making money. Okay. So the intersection between what business and good, did you say? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's nice. I like it. And where does this word disruption come into the, the equation here, mate? Yeah, so I actually wrote a book called Disrupting for Good. And I had a friend who reached out to me probably five years ago now, and he said he saw a degree at the University of Southern California, there was a bachelor's degree in disruption. <laughs> and he, he said, I know you don't want to go back to college again, but you were the first person I thought of when I saw this. You've always been a disruptor. And all of a sudden, it was like all these things I've been doing suddenly like had validation and credibility. I, I never had a name for it, but I was like, wait, yes, that is who I, that's what I am. I'm a disruptor. Like, that's what I've been doing all these years. And, you know, it dated all the way back to when I was a young boy, but especially when I was 19 years old, I ran for mayor of my hometown of 75,000 people. I ran ran my first uh, marathon, 42 kilometer marathon and, uh, and was hired to direct a camp for inner city kids, children in poverty. And so that all happened when I was 19 years old and it was completely transformational because suddenly I had this confidence and this understanding that I could be or do anything I wanted to be or do. It's like all the limitations I thought were 
boundaries. They really were, they were self-imposed, you know, that those things that felt so limiting were actually put there by my own mind. And so I thought, wait, why not me? Like when I see a problem, why don't I respond? Why am I waiting for someone else to respond? And so that really set me on a journey of disruption, doing all kinds of fun things. I mentioned the Mercy Project, obviously, but man, I've done, Lee, I've done all these other crazy things. I've, I've run now a 25 marathon. Next month will be my 25th marathon. And I started a marathon here in my home state of Texas, and it's the top marathon in the state of Texas. I wow. wrote, the, wrote the most viral ice cream review in, in the history of the internet. I've helped set four Guinness World Records uh, with my nonprofit organization, taught myself to auctioneer, and I've raised uh, more than $2 million for charity auctions around the, the state. So, I mean, just all these fun things. I'm teaching a business class, even though I've never taken a business class. I mean, all of these fun things and they all the genesis of all of them was disruption. And so I went and wrote a book, Finding Other Disruptors and figuring out what is it that's unique and different about a disruptor and how could we all become more disruptive for good in our own lives. Okay, so what is unique about a disruptor? Well, the first thing is that they're willing to embrace uncomfortability. Okay. Uh, when they see when they see something that bothers them or they don't like it, they don't just go on social media and complain. They actually they do something about it. They show up. They have the courage to show up. And the next thing is that they actually they execute. Right. They don't just say, "Oh, it'd be nice if somebody solved that," or "Oh, somebody should." move that car over there somebody should rescue those animals Hmm. they actually put a plan together Uh, they connect the right resources they gather a community they they rally people behind their cause and then third they they persist you know this is the least sexy part of disruption is the most important part and that is you got to keep showing up you got to keep doing the hard work. That was the one thing in common across all the disruptors. I right. found all these ordinary people, all different ages, all different talents, all different education level, etc. The one commonality was none of them disrupted on their first day. None of them disrupted on their 50th or their 100th day. They all disrupted eventually and only because they continued to persist. So the good news is Every single one of us can do all three of those things. It's just a matter of intentionality. Well, they're, they're a um, yeah, good mix of, of what's required to, I, I suppose, for success too, in a way, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. I think self-reflection is so critical. I mean, the, the definition I had for disrupt or hmm. disruptor is someone who's uncomfortable with the truth. So they show up, take action, and persist until a new truth is born. And I think for so many of us, we have those things that make us uncomfortable in our personal lives and our families, in our jobs and our careers and our cities, our communities, all that. But we just sweep it aside. We push it away. We pretend it's not there. We, we drown it with alcohol. We drown it with drugs. We, you know, we do all of these things to avoid it. And it seems to be the easier way yeah, that's right. And, and what disruptors had in common was that they grabbed they grabbed onto that and they said, no, I don't like this. This is uncomfortable. This, this shouldn't be like this. There has to be a better way. Yeah. And I think there's something really powerful about that kind of reflection and, and that kind of self-honesty and authenticity. Hmm. 
and it, it's it's not necessarily just disrupting for good. Obviously, that's that's a great thing to be doing. Sure. But, well, it is kind of, isn't it? Really, when you think about it. But I guess there's a lot of disruptors out there that perhaps, like you said earlier, disrupt. Uh, you know, maybe make a business and and really chasing the profits and um, not going after yeah, the good so side many. of things. But when you look at disrupting Absolutely. life in general. If you're uncomfortable and you're really, you know, not content with this certain way things are, whether that's personally or externally, um, it's about yeah. taking action on that. And and whatever that is, it's usually ideally for a good outcome to to yeah, abs- change that yeah. uncomfortability. Yeah, and even if it's not for a broad social good, you know, even if we find something in our personal lives that we know needs to be disrupted. It is good because it lets us be a, a more full version of ourselves, right? Yeah, we live yeah. into our our full gifts and our full talents. I mean, you know, what, what I think it's disruption is really about taking control. And hmm. so many of us, we treat life as though we're spectators instead of participants. You know, we, we let life happen to us. Yeah. And I, I heard someone say one time, very, very compelling, that we either choose it or we change it. Hmm. And I think for so many of us, there are things we don't like, things we wish were different. And by not changing them, we're actually choosing them. (laughs) And we wouldn't say it like that because it puts the responsibility on us, right? We're like, well, you know, there's a lot of factors there. It's like, hey, there's always factors. There's always a backstory. You know, one of my wisest mentors and professors once said, our stories explain us but they do not excuse us. And I think for so yeah. many of us, we, we let that backstory excuse us. We say, mm. oh, well, I could never do that because, you know, or, or that's, you know, that's just something that happened because of all these other factors. But we have to take responsibility that at the end of the day, we get one life, one shot. And if we have something that makes us uncomfortable, we need to stop waiting for somebody else to change it. Mm. And we need, to, we need to be the people who say, why not me? Mm. If not me, then who? Mm. And it, it's a really powerful shift in the, in the way we think. I mean, you become very, very confident and in some strange way, even with our limitations, it, you feel kind of unstoppable because you're just not scared anymore of, of, of failing. You know, you're, you're, not, you're, you're more afraid of not making a difference than you are of failing or of living with regret yeah. than you are of failing. One. And mm. it's beautiful. You know, when you, when you reach that point, I always sit and tell people that my life was changed forever when my willingness to dream and take chances outgrew my fear of failing. Mm. And so many of us are so worried about failing, so worried about what other people think, what the perception might be, that we just stay in this very narrow, small little box with no upside, but no risk. And we're, we're miserable, you know, we're, we're not happy. And and, and we, we wish life were different and everything we see around us frustrates us. And we, we kind of, we long for more waiting for somebody else to bring that more to us like Santa Claus or something, but that's not the way this works. Like we have to decide what we want to achieve, where we want to go. And then we have to get in the driver's seat and go there. And so that's really what disruption is about. It's taking back that control and being the kind of person who says, hey, I saw something, I named it, I owned it, I embraced it, and now I'm going to do something about it. And I know it's going to be hard, and I'm not scared of it being hard, and I'm not scared of failing because I know it matters. And, and there's a 
Hmm. There's a bar that, that, that matters. There's something at stake here that's worth me going for it. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to show up and have the courage to go for it. Yeah, love it, man. Words of uh, inspiration, absolutely. And I can I can just feel myself and I know the guys listening out there are going to um, be fired up just listening to what you've just said then. Um, is it is it really just the fear of failure that's stopping most of us, most of us to you know take that action? Because I... I don't know, I can hear it in you that this seems like you absolutely have, I mean, I'm sure you do, but it sounds like you have no limiting beliefs and you will just go after these things. And, and what you've accomplished is, is quite significant too. And people will be looking at that going, wow, you know, how could I ever do that? Was your upbringing instrumental to, you know, you doing this? I mean, you said at the age of 19, which I think is quite early, um, you know, you just had those experiences that allowed you to say, hey, I think anything is possible. Yeah, I think for me, the spark of disruption was lit at 19. If it was a stick of dynamite, that's when it got lit. But so it, it let me maybe make that move earlier. But I think it's just it's a it's a shift in in what we value. And what, what was that like? So, like what what gave you well, that spark? I, I, yeah, I think just trying trying hard things and 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 seeing what it felt like. I mean. You know, and for me, it was those three things happening in unison. I mean, running my first marathon, running for mayor, and then yeah. being hired to direct that camp, all things that when I was 18, I would have thought were impossible and that people older than me would have said, oh, wait until you're 40 to run for mayor. Wait, you know, wait until you're 30 to get the job to direct the camp. Uh, you know, don't run a marathon until you've been running for three years. I mean, and it's not that those things are wrong. It's just that they didn't have anything to do with me. <laughs> they were projecting their own preferences and their own preference specifically for safety and comfort and reliability and comfortability over and, and above everything else. And I think that's the problem. We have come to value safety and comfortability over and above everything else. I mean, our, our whole culture is set up to not fail. You know, we have insurance for everything. We have pet insurance. We have travel insurance. We have, I mean, all, you know, when our grandparents booked the flight, if they even did, and they broke their leg the day before the flight, they just, that was just lost money. You know, I mean, they, they didn't think, oh my gosh, I wish I'd bought the insurance for this flight. You know, so much of what we do is, is hedging our bets constantly, trying to put ourselves at the least amount of risk possible. And I understand that to some degree. I mean, don't hear me wrong. I have insurance, right? Yeah, but, yeah. but but it's a mentality. And when we value safety, security, stability over everything else, even change that we know needs to happen but is going to be risky, of course it's risky. If it was simple or clear or straightforward, it would have already been done by you long ago. Yeah. But but it's gonna come with some risk. But because we value security. And stability and comfortability so much, we've come to believe those are the end goal. And th those were never the goal. I mean, the end goal is whatever it is that makes us feel most alive and impassioned. And that's not sitting on our couch watching another Netflix marathon. Hmm. You know, it's, it's climbing a mountain or running a marathon or swimming across the English Channel or starting a new business or a side hustle or rescuing kids out of slavery, writing a book or starting a podcast. I mean, whatever that thing is that makes us feel most alive, it will never happen if we measure it in terms of safety, security, and, and risk. You could have started this podcast and no one ever tuned in. Yeah. 
right? I mean, that was a, that was a real possibility. And, and you would have had to deal with that failure, right? You would have had to deal with why were you kind of rejected by the people you tried to put the message out to, mm-hmm. but, but you were willing to take that risk because it mattered to you. Do you, you know, think, you had do a you message. think this, this yeah. need for safety, security, and risk is, is becoming more um, noticeable or more paramount? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think, yeah, I think, I think our culture is is more and more set up to society to be safe. I mean, you know, fifty years ago, people didn't have the option to be comfortable, yeah. right? I, I often mean, look back at that, and I look back at my parents and the generations yeah. then when you know they started yeah. so young and they had kids so young and. They they right. went into business. Well, my dad went into business from a pretty young age, and, and you just sort of go, "Wow, look and, and where you know what am I doing in my thirties? Yeah, um, yeah, you know, yeah. But well, they just yeah, there was amazing. no there was no option. It was just no. We we're going to do it. It's, That's right. Yeah, and and I think because of that, you know, we've lost a lot of that. You know, the word the popular mentality. word is grit. The grit. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, and resilience. Right. We 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 and the problem is when we don't try hard things and we don't fail, then we don't learn how to have grit or resilience. You know, mm. resilience is a muscle. Yeah. And you grow resilient by failing and surviving. <laughs> and so so you do it again, and you do it again. And over time, you're not so scared of failing. Well, if you never let yourself fail, because you never try something hard, yeah. then you never learn resilience. And, and so then when you do fail, you don't know what you, you don't know what to do. You're crushed. You know, you're just... You're shattered because you didn't have those small failures along the way to realize, hey, I'm going to be okay. Even if this doesn't work, I'm still the same person as I was before, you know? Mm. Uh, And so I I do think we're seeing a lot of less risk and people who are waiting for things to come to them, you know, in an age of grocery delivery and medicine on demand and Netflix subscriptions and Hulu and I mean, all the all the things we have, we're it's like we we expect everything you know to come to us, and there's just a lot of stuff in life that's not going to come to us. We have to go out and get it. How do you think we? How do you think? Yeah, we remove because I understand what you're saying. I mean, we've got a life of luxuries. The this, the quality of life has improved beyond belief, where the comfort is just absolutely um, consuming and overwhelming. H- how do we remove ourselves from that? Because you know, obviously, you've got a lot of comforts. I'm sure. But yet you still go out there and push into the uncomfortable. Whereas, yeah, how do we how do we break that? So I think the most important thing is to just start doing it. You know, to mm. to, to identify Take action. what what is something that makes me uncomfortable right now, and I'm going to make myself do it. You know, I'm actually working on a new book right now. Yeah. Where every day in 2020, I'm doing one thing that makes me uncomfortable, and. Every day in 2020. Yeah. I'm okay. Doing What's on the list today? What, what have you done today? So today, this is actually funny that we uh, that we had this podcast. So I actually gave a, a speech today, and I'm still dressed up in my in my suit from from giving the speech. And the audience, uh, it was it was a terrible room to give a speech. And normally, I do a lot of keynote speaking, and normally I would just leave everybody where they are, you know, just walk up and, and do my speech. But it was a terrible room for this. And so the kind of thing that I did right off the bat, before I had any credibility, I kind of invited everyone to move up 
which no one likes doing, right? Hmm. Uh, no one enjoys uh, moving and when they're in a big room and they don't want to get close to the front. But what I didn't want was them to lose the energy of the presentation and for me to actually give less of myself because of the big room lacked the energy. And so I, they could have just ignored me <laughs> and, and not listened to me when I asked them to, to move. And then you're starting off with a, a dud, right? When your audience has basically mm. rejected you before you've, you've even earned any, any credibility. But see, what I find so amazing is along the way, I'm six weeks into the year and there's been a couple things that have been uh, you know, more fun things. And then some things that are, are just stink, like, uh, you know, just, just hard stuff. Like on Martin Luther King Jr. Day, which we celebrate here in the U.S., I sat down with my 10 and 8 and 5-year-old kids, and we watched a documentary on the, the first little girl with brown skin to go into a school in Louisiana when the, the country decided they were going to force integration. Yeah. And it was very uncomfortable for my children to look at me and say, wait, why are they being so mean to her? No, no one would really do that. Would they dad? And for me to have to embrace with my children that I don't want to try to protect them from these hard things, even at this young age, I want them to be exposed to, to reality, you know? And so there's those. And then there's things like I have some buddies that own a fast food restaurant here in town. And so soon I'm going to go in and work in the kitchen one day. Uh, with the with the employees in, in the back cooking burgers at 30 seconds a burger, right? And just grinding back there because good I've fun. never had a good thing like that in my whole life, yeah, right? It's, okay. Yeah, it's not fun, but... I look forward to that book, mate, when you're, um, yeah, I guess at the end of the year, early next year, it'll be published. Yeah, I'm excited we'll about it. We'll get you it. back yeah, on to talk that, about it. Yeah, and my hypothesis, just so you know, is the more hard things we do, the less scared we are of doing hard things hmm. and that it's in those hard things that that real transformation happens that yeah. real, you know, when we're comfortable and when we're complacent and when we wait for things to come to us, we don't grow, we yeah. don't change. But when we do the hard stuff uh, on purpose, then that's when we really grow and in, in change. So that that's kind of my hypothesis. So we'll see how it goes. No, I love it, mate. Very, very exciting. Very inspirational. I can see a lot of people sitting here and, and probably eager to go. And and my concern sometimes is, you know, we, we go away with this inspiration and then a couple of days later we're back to where we were. How do we yep. take action from today? You said something earlier which I thought was quite important. Maybe you could delve into this a little bit. But, you know, at 19 you really started to connect with values. I mean, you started to really understand what was yep. important. How do you sort of encourage people to connect with values and how do they do that? Yeah, it's a great question. So in the class I teach at the business school, yeah. in the first session, I tell my students, what is your North Star? Hmm. What, is, what is the guiding principle, the value that you care more about than anything? The one thing, when you get to the end of your life, whether it's tomorrow or 50, 75 years from now, you want to say, this thing mattered to me and I lived as though this thing mattered to me. And, and then I want you to look at that North star, write it down and then be honest about yourself, pull out your checkbook or your credit card statement and pull out your planner, your calendar and tell me, do those three things align? The, the thing that you say is most important to you, your North star, your guiding principles, do, 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 do the way you spend your time and does the way you spend your money support 
that that thing is most important to you? And if the answer is no, then we have to ask why. Is, is it that we have the wrong North Star? Are, are we being dishonest about our North Star? Or is it just that we're waiting for the right time to chase that thing we say is most important? And if that's true, that's okay. We just have to own that right now that's not what's most important. Hmm. Because a lot of us are waiting and waiting and waiting for, for all the stars to align, right? For, for let's get enough money in the bank account. Let's get enough followers on Facebook. Let's get the right position. Let's let my kids get a little older. Whatever. Let's get my final degree. Whatever that thing we're waiting on, there's always going to be another thing. Yeah. Always going to be another thing. And so if, if that North Star is really our North Star, if that guiding principle or set of guiding principles is really our guiding principle and North Star, then it'll be clear from our calendars and from our credit card statements that that thing matters to us because we'll invest our time hmm. and our money into it. That's a quite a, a difficult question, I feel, to find an answer <laughs> for. And I'm certainly yeah. sitting here going, okay, I'm going to have to take this away now and, and think about it over the yeah. weekend. And really, and you know, this is what I'm all about in this podcast, why it exists is because I'm asking those questions and Still, I, I find uh, struggle in, in figuring that out. How, yeah. what, was it, what are some common North Stars that you've, you've found that your class has come up with? Yeah, so I think a lot of my young people say that they want to make a real difference in the world. Like they want to leave the world better than they found it. And so then I push them and say, tell me specifically what way you'll do that. Like what, what are you passionate about? And so some of them say, you know, it's, it's orphans or it's people in poverty or it's animals or, you know, whatever that thing is. And I say, great, don't wait until you're 40, 50, 60 to start making a difference. Like, what are you doing right now as a college student, as a university student? How are you chasing that, that North Star? And they say, oh, you know, I'm so busy or I don't have any money. I say, no, no, you waste so much time right now. We have a thousand minutes a day that we're not sleeping. You can't give 10 minutes a day to that thing you tell me is your North Star. Uh, I mean, you know, you can't give an hour a week to that thing you say is more important to you than any. You know, I have other students who tell me that they want to write books, you know, to impact people or they mm. want to make movies or they want to make music. Yeah. And and so it's the same thing. Do you spend 5, 10, 15 minutes a day perfecting that craft, you know, pouring into something that you say is more important than, than anything else, you know, in your life, or do we kind of get bogged down in the routine and the mundane and the just, you know, we become complacent. I mean, that's what I, you know, my whole, my whole spiel when I do a keynote speech, uh, I challenge complacency. That's yeah. my thing. And, and empower people to disrupt for good, to say, Hey, I don't like how this is. I don't like where this is going. I'm going to do something different. I'm going to, I'm going to take ownership here. And so I think that's what it is. I think it requires some real honesty and you know, what do we want our legacy to be? I mean, when we're no longer here, what impact do we want to have made on the earth? And, and, and whatever that thing is, if it really matters to us, then we need to put our money where our mouths are and, and start doing something about it. Show up and start doing it. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. A well, good way for, um, Getting out of complacency is, is through disruption, I suppose. Absolutely. Taking action. Yeah. What What are your um? And I'll, I'll just wrap this up. But what are your sort of routines to help keep your yourself energetic? Um, I suppose you, you're talking about a lot of things here. 
taking a lot of action. Um, failure, I think that's really important too. And you know, failure is great. And obviously, if you have a lot of failure, you, you can deal with it maybe better. But um, it does affect our mindset and mentality as well. So, what do you do daily to help you sort of manage energy and your mentality and your your physical self? Yeah. So I, I'm an avid runner. Yeah. So that's that's really my me time. Is you start the day off on a jog or absolutely, yeah, yeah. About five o'clock every morning, I run for about sixty minutes. Okay. And on the weekends, I do a two two or three hour run when I'm training for a marathon. And Jeez. my marathon my marathon uh, time by best time was last year, 2019. I ran three hours and eight minutes for a for a 26.2 mile marathon, 42 kilometers. So. About seven minutes per mile was my, you know, was my pace. So pretty, pretty competitive. You know, I'm not going to win any marathons, but I'm usually placing in the top five yeah, percent of the incredible. races that I do. And you just and run? I mean, do you do other exercise, or yeah. is that pretty much? No, that's it. That's kind of my thing. It's interesting. We, huh? we I was out thinking about that this yeah, morning. Yeah. yeah, we live out in the country, so it's a, it's a pretty good haul for me to, you know, to drive in anywhere. And so running is kind of my peaceful. I see more deer every morning on my run than I do uh, cars. Yeah, nice. But so that's one thing I do. You know, the other thing is I really worked very hard to surround myself with people who share my energy and passion and people that I feel like are adding value to the energy and, and North Star and commitments. Even if they don't have the same North Star as me, they have the same positive energy and same positive attitude that we are in control of our own destinies. You know, I try very hard not to to be in toxic relationships where people are constantly complaining or giving all the excuses of why they can't do something or why it's so hard or if they only had this or if they only had that. You know, I try really hard to avoid those because I feel like those just pull their withdrawals with no deposits, yeah. you know, back into the back into the, the bank. And so I really structure, you know, my, my time and, and try to be really honest about, you know, the people I'm, I'm spending the, the majority of my time with share my values and convictions as far as taking ownership of our capacity to create change. And I think the last thing I would say about that is I'm constantly curious. Yeah. I, I just like learning. I mean, I wish I had time to sit down with every single person who I ever met and just to understand who they are and where they come from and what they do for a living and how their life works. And I just find it fascinating how, how different we all are, but also some of the ways we're similar, you know? And so Mm. I'm constantly curious. I'm always asking questions. I'm probably annoying to my taxi drivers and Uber drivers because I I just always want to know, you know, where they're from and what they're doing and, and how long they've been doing this. And if it's a good job and, if they weren't doing this, what would they be doing and why they're not doing that thing they said they would wish they were doing? You know, I mean, hmm. I, I just I love asking questions and learning about people. I, and I feel like it helps me understand myself better when I when I do that. You know, I, I learn things about myself when I can see qualities that I either have or that I wish I had in, in other people. And so I really believe every person we meet every day is a teacher and we just have to be willing to be students. And so. I, I love learning, and I think that's a big part of of my energy and my life journey is is being a lifelong learner and constantly being curious. Yes, I love it. You've actually just touched on three things in that 
which I um, have written in my book called The Ultimate Life Map, and I call them the essential life principles, which is growth, so learning, having curiosity, uh, relationships, yeah. so surrounding yourself, making sure you're working on the relationships, and, of course, health, which, you know, it's, it's unique to each of our own. And I, I was actually, it's just funny because you jog every day, and I was swimming this morning, and I got to um, 100 laps, and I did some backstroke, and I was just looking up at the sky, and I had this moment of, oh, man, this is great. Um, yeah. And I just really, for me, I really love swimming, and I thought, why don't I yeah. just do this every morning? Like, just wake up and swim and stop yeah. worrying about all the other things, you know, because I tried to do a bit of running and, and I like the sure. mix and I like changing things up. But I thought, you know, it doesn't matter as long as I'm doing something that's physical. Absolutely. You know, yeah, I think that's what's important. Move your body. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's really cool. Mate, excellent uh, conversation, very inspirational, lots of takeaways there. I think you Thank could listen you. to this conversation again easily and, and really, you know, take some more notes and spend a bit of time um, on what you've talked about today and, and really add some value to your own life. So thank you for sharing and thank you for coming on the show, Chris. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and thank you for everything you do to inspire people. How can um, people find you, mate? Is it is it the Mercy Project or is there a better spot? Yeah, they can Yeah, they can find me on Mercy Project. I'm also at Disruption Chris on most of the social media handles and my speaking consulting uh, website is meetchrisfield.com. So that's kind of more my personal uh, website and this, around the speaking and so forth cool i'll we'll put those in the links guys check it out at the hiddenwire.com episode 883 um i'll put all the links in the show notes chris thanks again for coming on and guys until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon thank you for tuning in and listening to today's conversation i really hope you've enjoyed it i hope you've been able to take something away something to help you create a more meaningful life a life with greater freedom fulfillment and happiness Guys, if you love the content that I produce here at The Hidden Why, there are a few ways you can support me. Firstly, connect with me. You can do so in a number of different ways. You can connect with me online at thehiddenwhy.com or via social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, etc. I would love to hear from you guys. I would love to connect with you. If you've got any thoughts, comments, feedback, suggestions, or anything at all that you'd like to ask me, you can reach me at thehiddenwhyguy at gmail.com. While you're there, guys, make sure you subscribe to thehiddenwide.com. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you can be kept up to date with all the new episodes and happenings here at The Hidden Wire. If you love what you heard in this episode, guys, or any of the others, please share the love. Share it with your family, friends, and anyone you think that might get some value. If you haven't already done so, you can also leave me a review on iTunes. Simply head over to iTunes, type in The Hidden Wire, click the ratings and reviews button, and leave me a short message plus a one to five star rating. It helps me reach more people. Once again, guys, I appreciate the time you've taken out of your day to support my show. Until next time, you know what to do. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose, and in doing so, you will discover your hidden why. This is the Hidden Why Podcast. My name is Liam Mundelty. Until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon.